right, we are live right now with the Painless Wholesaling Podcast, where we try to make wholesaling real estate and just doing real estate transactions painless in general, because we all know doing real estate can be painful if you don't know what you're doing. Am I right, Gabe? You are right, sir. It, it can be. It can be. So, Gabe, we have Gabe right here, Gabe Peterson. He is an operator of self-storage facilities. He's been doing pretty much everything in real estate. So I got him on here. We're going to talk to him about his podcast, about what he's been doing, how he can provide value to Investor Thrive Nation. And I'm glad to have you on here, man. How's it going? Right on, Nathan. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Let's go right into it. So you told me you're from Seattle. We've never met, but it's that's one thing. One of the things I love about having a podcast is, you know, you can meet awesome people. So tell me, Seattle, I, I've been seeing the freezing rain. Is that affected you? Dude, yeah, that is uh, <laughs> it's it. kind of funny because Seattle, we never get freezing rain. I didn't even know what it was until, mm -hmm. you know, somebody talked about it. And then it happened and our entire city shut down. It was like it, we did not know how to handle it. People were like sliding around. Cars were crashing. I think we went pretty viral on uh, TikTok yep. because yep. of all the <laughs> all the uh just the craziness that was going on. So yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, it was, I had one of my rentals, the uh, sewer froze and broke, and that was our only big issue. Other than that, it was just oh, good, good time. Tell me what, how do you handle that? Like, do you, do you go outside with like certain type of shoes on or like, how did you get around? I just stayed inside. It only lasted for like a day, but uh, oh, okay. maybe two days, but um, yeah, you can get cleats, just things that slip on the bottom of your, of your foot. Usually, like I said, I think this is the first time the second time this has happened in my life, I've been here, you know, 36 years. And so it doesn't happen often. And so people don't, you don't really need to have stuff to prepare for it. But, um, but yeah, they sell cleats. You can just get online. Yeah. That, by the time that got shipped by Amazon, it was too late, you yeah. know, <laughs> get them. Um, same day shipping doesn't work that day. Were you born and raised in that area? Like in Seattle? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I was, uh, um, I mean, I was born in Renton. I grew up in Enumclaw, just a bunch of, you know, small towns in, well, they're not small, but you yeah. know, areas in this, this place and went to college at UW up in Seattle. And so I'm oh, cool, born and raised Seattleite. You, uh, you, have you been to Vancouver in Canada up North? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. How awesome is that place? That place is it's sweet. cool. I like Victoria more. Um, Victoria is just right across the right across the. Isn't that the island? The island there? Yeah, it's it's on the island, um, on Vancouver Island. It's it's really nice over there. But both of the cities are great. Yeah, me and my wife went there, and we were driving around, and there's like a waterfall on that like scenic drive. There was like a waterfall every felt like every five minutes. That was amazing. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's really pretty up there. For sure. Well, let's get right into it. Let's talk about what you got going with real estate. You want to kind of give people a little bit of an intro, 30 second intro to who you are and what you've been up to? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I, Gabe Peterson, I have a podcast called the Real Estate Investing Club. Um, and uh, on the real estate side, I do now I do self storage and I own a couple mobile home RV parks. But since, you know, I got started in 2014, I, I was you know, flipping houses, doing wholesales. Um, I went through single family and then in 2019, 2018, I switched over to commercial, bought a few mobile home RV parks. Didn't really like owning those too much. You know, we haven't sold them. They're still in the portfolio, but I decided to look around and figure out what I really wanted to focus on. Uh, I was, you know, I had a few asset classes that I was considering. Eventually I landed on self-storage. And so since Let's see. We got into that about a year ago, a little, little more than a year ago. And since then, we've bought six self-storage facilities and just uh, just keep going. Wow. Tell me why you didn't like owning the mobile home parks. I've heard that's pretty, uh, pretty lucrative. Yeah, they are. Uh, and they're not, it's not a bad asset class for sure. Those were great deals. They have great cash on cash, but I generally, I've decided I, I just 
don't like owning things that people live in. I I've had, you know, small multifamily, like triplexes, quads, stuff like that. I just never really liked owning those type of asset classes. Um, nothing against, obviously they're great investments. They're definitely needed in society. It's just not my, my cup of tea. I kind of like the more business oriented assets. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, before I got into self-storage, I considered industrial and uh, retail. You know, I still want to do those at some point, but you really got to focus in yeah, uh, on my podcast. We always say, just focus in on one asset, go for that for a bit, and then you can change. Of course. Um, so that's what I'm doing here with self storage. Do you feel like it's less like uh, it's it's more risky when there's people that live inside versus because uh, I mean I've never owned a self storage so I, I I don't know the risk that's involved you know compared to like someone destroying your place. Risk in terms of vandalism. Well, you know, I don't know. Like you, you said you didn't feel comfortable or you didn't feel like doing it. So what, what was it that made you feel like that wasn't something you liked when people lived in it? Was it vandalism? Was it like the upkeep? I'm just trying to figure out what what made you not really like it. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, of the asset itself, it's definitely, you know, so multifamily is one of the safest asset classes out there. Um, Self-storage is super safe. So there, there's not, in terms of risk, I don't feel like there's a huge difference um, until you go into like the the hotel kind of uh, those kind of assets. Um, I think it really came down to, so we were uh, self-managing, not really self-managing. We had property managers on site, but we weren't using third party. Mm -hmm. um, we had a hard time finding good third party property managers. Mm. And so it just meant that we dealt a lot with like evictions and, right. and complaints and that kind of stuff. You know, evictions are necessary. It's part of running the business, but it's not something that I enjoyed. You still have to evict people in self-storage, but, you know, they don't live on your property. And so I really, I don't care as much. And not that I, you know, I, I, it's definitely a serious thing. I, I do care, but it's just, I'm not, it kind of pulled on my heartstrings a little to have to evict yeah, somebody that was living at the property. You numb, numb to it after a while, I'm assuming, or people that do it, because it's just like, hey, people are not going to pay. They're, they're going to agree to something and they're not going to do it. And so it's yeah. like, that's why you have contracts. But I, I understand that completely. So uh, when you have to evict someone from self-storage, you, you just get rid of their stuff, right? Is that how it works? Well, no, you, you have to go through an auction and all this stuff. There's still rules around it, but it's not, laws are generally a lot easier. Um, so, you know, if they don't pay, then we can start that auction, right? You know, 30 days after, boom, we're starting that auction. We're getting it, getting it out of there, getting it turned. Oh my gosh. So if someone has like a bunch of valuables in a self-storage and they don't pay, like if they don't hurry or pay, they could lose all their stuff. Is that, is that how it works? Yes. Oh my gosh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that is, it is what it is, right? It's, well, no, of uh, course, but I mean, I, paying at a multifamily, you get evicted. Yeah. yeah I mean, I guess having that mentality like the way i am i'm like i'm gonna pay for something right like right. if i'm gonna agree but i'm like man imagine doing agreeing and then you know losing your stuff because you don't do what you said you would oh that'd be wild yeah. but, but yeah. there's also i mean there's many measures to get in communication with the person who should be paying their, oh, their rent and so you know we're sending them texts we're sending them certified mail we're doing all these things to make sure they have the opportunity to pay and get the stuff from their unit Obviously, eviction is the last straw that we even oh, want to do because we don't course. want to have to go through that entire process, lose that rent, all you know, all this stuff. So eviction's yeah. the least lowest priorities on everybody's plate, but it is it is a thing that happens, and on, in the self storage world, it's just a lot of course uh, easier. 
do you have to pay to get uh do the eviction process like uh to start the process or yeah i mean there's there's nominal fees um like auction there's an auction site that you can list stuff on um the biggest cost is lost revenue from that that you know that unit not being rented and then also um dump fees so if you know if nobody if it eventually there's stuff left in the unit, then uh, it has to be dumped. And that kind of adds up after a while. Have you ever gotten anything really cool from uh, an auction where you're like, oh, <laughs> no, people don't live, leave good things. That's the thing. People think, you know, you see storage wars and yeah. like this guy gets a motorcycle or something like that. That never happens. <laughs> and you just leave like a bunch people of just leave garbage. Crap. Yeah. And that's actually that's one of the most annoying things about owning self storage is people will rent a unit because it's cheaper to fill a 10 by 20 and just fill it with garbage and not pay than it is to take it to the dump. And so oh, people will, and no. I don't know how to get around that. If anybody listening is in self storage <laughs> and you figured out a, a good solution, let us know because that is definitely kind of an annoying, uh, annoying thing to deal with. Wow. That's crazy. So when you say it's cheaper to do that, like what does a self storage usually cost? I have nothing, I have no idea about anything about self storage. I mean, it'll, it varies widely based on, um, on the metro you're in. So mm -hmm. if you if you rent a unit down in Seattle, it's a lot cheap or a lot more expensive than somewhere out rural. Right. Um, but so, I mean, I'll just pull one of ours, Indiana, we, we own a, um, Indianapolis. We have a self storage in Indianapolis. Uh, the 10 by 20 at Indian, that storage is 169 per month. Hmm. Um, the five by 10, I think is 59 if i remember right so it's five feet by 10 feet is that what it is yeah so the other one's pretty big then yeah 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 okay. well yeah and the the standard um sizes is five by 10 10 by 10 and 10 by 20 those are the main the three main sizes and then you can get in the five by fives the uh, 10 by 15s and on and on and on but the main sizes you're going to rent are the five, five by 10s the 10 by 10s and the 10 by 20s so i've never rented a storage unit before did you deal with a lot of those before you jumped into buying them like did you use them a lot to feel comfortable or no and uh but i had i had rented a self-storage before a couple times in my life when i was like moving and stuff Mm -hmm. I wasn't a big user of self-storage. Surprisingly, a lot of our tenants have been there since we've bought the property. And so th these people, and I'm buying one right now in Oklahoma and uh, his rent roll, these people have been with him since the beginning of time. It's like they just get a, uh, a self-storage and they just never leave, which is Bro. interesting. And there's a lot of interesting statistics. Uh, like, I think it was, I don't want to say it because I know I'm going to be wrong, but I think it's like 13% of the population uses self-storage. Um, and then I, it was like 64, something like that percent of people who use self-storage are, are women. Dang. So I don't know. There's some interesting stuff out there. Yeah, that is interesting. When you have self-storage, you really have to have it, you know, be nice. It has to look nice. It has to feel safe. Yeah, um, safe for sure. I'm sure people at night, like they go there. I mean, can you go anytime you want to self-storage or is it like work or specific hours? Yeah, we, uh, we have hours at a few of our facilities. A few of them don't, um, Okay. But I mean, the we don't turn off our codes. And so technically you can go there whenever you want. Gotcha. Because I feel like the only reason I would feel unsafe is if I went at night, you know, it's like nice and dark in an alley and, you know, someone might come pop out, but I don't know. I don't really yeah. hang out at self storages. So I don't know how it goes over there. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me, um, out of the asset classes you were looking at, you were looking, you, you did mobile homes. Now you're in self-storage. What other ones did you, were you consider? I know you said industrial. Is there anything else that you're looking at that you're like, you know, you're still interested in? Yeah, industrial and, and uh, um, retail, like strip center retail, I was I was interested in. Both of them, like industrial is basically a big self-storage unit. And it's, uh, right. you know, the, the, 
the good thing about industrial is you can get into the triple net tr territory, which mm -hmm. is really appealing to me. Um, you can have kind of mixed use industrial where you have retail on the front and then um, warehouses in the back. Uh, there's, you know, flex, there's just a bunch of different things out there. Um, and if, <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like something, you know, with the self-storage, my, this facility I'm buying right now is 550 units. That's 550 tenants that you could potentially be dealing with. Uh, but you can get an equivalent that is, you know, it's 80,000 square feet. Yeah. You can get an 80,000 square foot industrial property that has two tenants, one tenant, which could, appealing. which could be pretty good. Yeah. That sounds better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. Uh, but, you know, there's downsides there, too. So everything has pluses and minuses. Retail, actually, I was really interested in just because I kind of like the, you know, I flipped a few houses and I liked coming up with the plan, with the design, all that stuff. I like that aspect of it. And so it'd be fun to find a more dilapidated strip center retail and fix it up. Yeah. Uh, rent it out, that kind of stuff. Well, going back to the storage facilities, have you had to go in there and like really update some to get the, the rents up or the values up or do you just go? in there and like how does that work yeah a lot i mean if you get lucky the easiest value add is when they don't have marketing and so if they don't have a website they're not online they don't have a, a crm system that that is automatic that connects to their gate and that kind of stuff those are the the easy value adds outside of that it's uh it's really taking the footprint of the property and using it to the best of its ability so if you have acreage that there's additional space out there you could do outdoor storage like rvs um, you can yeah. build out more units that kind of stuff um, in terms of fixing the property generally you there's not much that you need to do i like to put a new coat of paint on the property just to make it look a little nicer yeah. Um, and then any doors, you might have some hasps that are broken, some doors that need fixing, that kind of stuff. Which, where have you won like really big so far? Like, has it been in adding outdoor like uh, storage? Has it been in, um, yeah, like where has it, you seen like a giant value add that you've already done from a deal you've done? I mean, the biggest ones have been, I've been, I've bought from sellers who just stopped caring about their facility and they were not marketing. They were doing nothing. They didn't, they were, you know, they were doing their books in Excel or just on a piece of paper. And so they just weren't giving the, the facility the attention needed. And then I came in there, I cleaned up the facility. I, I added a website, put it on Google, did all the marketing stuff, filled it up. Um, so I'll buy it at like 30% occupancy and then I, I'll fill it up within, you know, the, I guess I, I've only owned any of them for a year now, but mm -hmm. we're up to, we're up to 80 per 86% on the, on one of them and then 80% on another. Wow. And so, and I bought those both at like 20, 20 something percent. Oh my gosh, dude. That sounds amazing. So how, yeah, uh, but those are, those are like very, okay. that's a dime you don't find them very often. I'm assuming most of the people that own storage units facilities like are savvy investors, right? Uh, no, actually a lot of them, there's a lot of mom and pops out there and yeah. the bigger ones. So if you get over like 30, 40,000 square feet, those are being bought up by sophisticated investors. And so a lot of times those people are going to be pretty sophisticated, but this, if you go, you know, on the smaller end under 30,000 square feet, there's a lot of mom and pops out there you know somebody who just they're into real estate they had a blank piece of you know a vacant land and they're like right. what am i going to do with this their real estate seems to be taken off i'll buy i'll build a cell storage seems to be taken off so i'll build a cell storage facility here nice um have you seen that uh, people that like get cell storage if they they'd rather go with like a brand name versus like a mom mom pop like random random brand yeah um i mean brand is big in any business, even in self-storage. And so if you have a good brand, then that'll help you a lot. The way to keep compete with that is buy right and then undercut them on price. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that we're 
I'm, we don't have a brand and we're buying, I was buying for smaller facilities. And so I just, when I underwrote the the deal, I uh, took market rents and then I said, you know, I'm going to get less than that. I'm going to do 20% less than that. And that's going to be what I'm underwriting this deal for. And oh. so, you know, if I, if I have cheaper rates than everybody around me, even if you have a good brand, people, you know, cost is a big, uh, a big consideration in self-storage. Wow. That's so cool. These this is very interesting to me because I don't know anything about this space, but it sounds really cool. Do you find that you get better deals outside of uh, major metros, like on the outskirts, or can you find great deals within major metros as well? Yeah. I mean, I found a really good deal. Um, just down in Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis. I found a good one in downtown Lubbock. But, you know, it's just like anything else on the outskirts, you're, you're going to find better deals. But then there's also more risk because there's not the population is smaller. Um, you don't know how you're going to fill it up, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. So it's it's just like anything else. Downtown's always always going to be more expensive than uh, the outskirts. What do the sellers usually want? Do they want like cash? Do they want financing? Do they are they willing to sell it on terms? What's what are you usually able to structure to get the deals done? So far, every single one of the facilities I've bought, I've been able to negotiate seller financing. Some of, you know, a lot of sellers want cash, but if you can really show them the benefit of seller financing, um, then a lot of times you can get them to say yes. And I generally, uh, I will offer less for cash than I will for seller financing. And I'll, I'll really try to make seller financing appealing. And uh, that's kind of how I how I get it to go. Are you able to get in with nothing down? Do you have to bring in quite a bit? Uh, how does that usually work when you offer on terms? Uh, I have not got to a point where I've gotten a deal for nothing down. Um, so I've find. gotten a few for 10% down and that's kind of the, the lowest I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Because you could probably just pitch it to him be like, look, I can go get a regular, I'm assuming you get a regular, what kind of loan would you get from a bank on this? Like, a, Yeah, a- I mean, you can do, do conventional. SBA actually offers loans for self-storage. I haven't done an SBA loan. I've heard it's kind of a headache, but they are there. Yeah. So you, you so you could say to them, like, I can just go get a loan. They're usually going to make me bring 10 or 15 down or I could give you it you know, the 10 down. Is that kind of how it goes? Like, Hey, I mean, you're going to make money instead of me giving to someone else. Yeah. I usually try to, to, um, talk up what they'll be getting in the long term, like the, the monthly payments, the interest, all that kind of stuff. Um, and a lot of these, a lot of these sellers are older. And so if they're in, if they're really old, they they don't want the seller, you know, the, the long-term payments because yeah. you know, it's not going to be beneficial to them. But right. if they're, you know, if they're in their sixties, uh, they, they kind of see it as, okay, this can be a retirement. Like now I'm going to be getting $2,000, $5,000 a month for 10, 10 years, something like that. Um, and so it can really be viewed from their point as a uh, kind of a cushion in their retirement. What do you usually try to get on terms like of length of time with the on the these sellers? So I the minimum I ask for is usually five years because that is kind of what I do my underwriting for the turn. But I mean I I love it if it goes <laughs> the one we finished in Indiana it was a great seller financing. So we gave him more than we than market value for the property. Well, not much more, but you know, a little yeah. bit more than you generally be paying per, on a per square foot basis. But we got interest only financing. Um, we only had to pay 10% down and he gave us 20 years on the note. And so we don't have to, I mean, we, it just made it very appealing, especially because it's only the footprint of the property is only half built out. And there's already permitting and designs for the additional half. And so this facility, it was at 90 something percent occupancy with that, you know, half of it built out. And so now we can go out, we can build out the, the additional and, uh, and yeah, benefit from it that way. 
are you able to make uh, with the interest that you're paying him? Are you able to make the payments uh, with what's being generated from the uh, storage facility? Oh yeah, for sure. No, I would I wouldn't buy it if that wasn't the case. Yeah, gotcha. So this isn't necessarily like an equity play. It's like cash. You're trying to you know obviously make money every month because in in for example in uh, multifamily sometimes investors will buy like break even just because you know they're playing off you know equity. Yeah, I mean you you can do that here too. It's just I don't like doing that. <laughs> yeah, not, not a good I, idea. I want cash flow. Um, I don't want the risk of it failing, and so I mm -hmm. uh, I want the cash flow. Okay. Well, Hey, that is amazing stuff. And honestly, like it sounds, uh, is it easy to get into like find those sellers that, or is it just kind of like anything else? You just got to go, go, go and, until you find the right opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like everything else. Just got to, um, do off market lead gen and just keep hitting it until you get something. So if someone's watching this and they say, look, I've been wholesaling, wholesaling sucks. I I'm tired of talking to uh, sellers that want too much. How would they get started with you? How would they get started in general? What, what do you got for them? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a lot of resources on our website, the real estate Um, we built out a off market lead gen, um, for commercial real estate kind of course there that you can check out. Uh, on um, what is it called again? The, go ahead. The, the real estate investing club.com. Okay. Um, and that's the podcast too. So you can check us out there. Uh, if you guys want to get started in, what was that? That's a good name. You got a good name on that one. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. If you want to get started in self-storage, I would say, yeah, I mean, you just got to find a deal really. It's just like, you got to start marketing off market. So get yourself a list, uh, go on Crexy, go on CoStar, anything like that. Choose a Metro, get the facilities in that area, skip trace them, um, and then just start sending mailers, doing text, just calling these people, figuring out who's uh, willing to sell and uh, eventually you'll find something. Yeah, that's amazing. So I have, if you can see my background, it's called the Cash Buyers Club Mentorship. So what I teach people to do is reverse wholesale, uh, which uh, is basically just find your buyer first and then find their a deal for them, right? So um, essentially, like if someone wanted to work with you, could they go to you and just say, hey, man, give me a list. I'll call it. And if I find any motivated sellers, I'll link them up with you and then pay me a fee. Would, would you do that with some people in my group? Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you guys, I mean, self-storage, obviously I'm not interested in a single family, but no, if anybody wants yeah. to. What I'm referring to is like, if you provided a list or you said, hey, call this list, I'm not going to provide for you, but skip trace this. And you know, if you find anyone in this area, I'll buy it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I will always buy and I pay, I don't, I don't care about the fee. If it's a good deal, I'll, uh, I'll pay it. Yeah, because that's essentially like with, with people that are new, I don't, I think wholesaling is taught uh, traditionally wrong because what most people do is they just go and find it, try and find deals and then they have no idea what they're doing because they don't know what the criteria is. They lock it up and then they try to find a buyer and then they find out that they have a house that nobody wants most of the time or they have it at the wrong price. So I teach people, like I told you, find your buyer, find Gabe, say, hey, Gabe, where do I need to go to find these storage facilities? Let me call them. I'll bring you anybody that's hot or I'll bring you someone that I tied up. And I'm sure if someone brought you a motivated seller, you'd be down to cut them in, even if they didn't have it locked up, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm all about being creative when it comes to deals. And so if anybody wants to call, wants to find deals for me, I can got tons of data. I'm, I'd be more than willing to share that. And so, yeah, yeah definitely. Maybe, I think that's a good good idea. Yeah, maybe me and you can collaborate a little bit more on the side because I believe that uh, – what, what I try to do, uh, Gabe, is I want to bring, I want my club, I call it the cash buyers club because it's like, hey, get the cash buyers, let's go. And I actually give cash buyers list away to my people so they don't have to like go too far. And uh, so my goal is like, hey, 
let's get people, let's teach them to network and then go find deals. And I think mine's like the, my club is like the first stop, like the first stop in the journey to start investing. I think wholesaling is where people usually go because it requires mm -hmm. no money. But yeah. as they, they go out, they can go into subject to, you know, novations, they can go to self storage, any asset class, but it all starts here in my opinion. And I think if we collaborate, you know, maybe you could help out some people in our group that might be interested in self storage. They could call some leads for you. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sounds great. Cool, man. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to tell our group? Any nuggets you'd like to drop to, to help, uh, you know, our viewers out? Um, yeah. I mean, the advice I always give people is it will take longer than you think, and it'll be harder than you think, but it's all worth it. So, um, yes. once you get started, just keep going. It'll be hard days, but, uh, if you just keep pushing through, eventually you're going to get to where you want to be. Well, it's good to know that it's hard everywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because I think, I think a lot of people jump from different places, right. In real estate. Cause they think it's probably going to be a little bit easier. I have heard land is a little easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but now nah, just, it's all, it all takes a learning curve and it all takes effort. Right. So that's really cool to hear your experience. And, uh, you know, I I'm glad I had you on here and everybody one more time, drop that website so people can go, uh, to your website. What is it? Yep. It's, uh, the real estate investing with an ing club.com. There you go, bro. I mean, hey, that's close. I got the club. You got the club. We got the Costco. We're doing it all. <laughs> we each got the Costco sweatshirts on today. We were hiding it. this from you guys the whole time, but we can't hide anymore. We love Costco. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, yeah. please, I'll, after this podcast is over, I'll share you the link and uh, we'll catch you later, brother. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Nathan. Yeah, anytime.